Welcome in. It's another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast, IndyStar, IndyStar.com. I'm your host, Derek Schultz. Afternoons locally, Fox Sports 1260 on Query and Schultz from 3 to 7. But the big, mega, superstar, transcendent presence on this show is the Greg Doyle, who joins us as he does each and every week in our pod here to record the pod. The pod to record the pod. Uh, we got a lot to get to today, Greg. Uh, the Colts are 5 and 2, first place team. And I think you know a team is good when you could emerge from a win and not feel good about it. I mean, isn't that kind of the best compliment that you could give a team? In other words, you don't have to play a great game to win. You yeah. Can, you can win with your B stuff. And in the Colts' case, more like their F stuff. Yeah, D minus stuff. Yeah, they were, I mean, they were playing a team where, I mean, you know, someone had to win that game and the Colts were that someone. But the difference between a good season and a bad season is when you play a game where, well, someone's got to win. Those you got to win those games, mm-hmm. and they found a way to win that game, and and the Broncos found a way to lose that game. Whatever, but the, at the end of the day, at the end of the year, we're not going to go back and and discount any of these W's. So everybody has wins that you're like, man, they weren't very good that day. Yeah, well, so what? Did they win or not? So I I don't want to be too negative about the Colts. They didn't look very good because at the same time, you know, that th- you got to stack wins. They stacked one. Let's all let's hold our nose and move on from it. Did you get any tweets where people were like? Why are you being so negative about it? And I'm like, well, guys, you're allowed to be critical of the team even when they win. Like, right? I mean, that's our job. To yeah, do you know, the the thing is, is that there's there's people on both sides, and we notice what we notice. I actually got emails from people because you're on the show, and you're you're obviously talking with Jake, and you're being negative, or, or whatever, being honest. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. being honest, whatever you're being. Um, Sometimes we are just overly negative. You're right. But I I wrote the story I wrote about Vinatieri, and 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 there was negative and positive there, but I also highlighted how bad. Uh, Rock Yassine and, and Brissett were, but then how good that how good Brissett was later. And anyway, I got people mad at me that I was too positive. They're like, "How come you weren't ripping? How come you weren't holding Reich's feet to the fire about not benching Yassine? How come you weren't ripping this guy and that guy?" Like, like they won the game. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna write that they won the game, and we, can, you know, I'm gonna save my bullets for when I really need to fire bullets because people around here get mad at me. They don't like it when I get because when I'm hard on somebody, I'm really good at being hard on somebody, and. I, I can't waste those bullets on a win because that's just uh, this bad business. It's stupid. Isn't it funny how different markets, it's a different, I think, reaction, especially in your job, Greg, where with columnists, because columnists by nature are kind of flamethrowers. And even you've said from your days way back at CBSSports.com, that basically was your role, right? When to I got hired here, guy. I was a flamethrower guy for about two months before I realized nobody wants to read yeah, that. Yeah, in Indianapolis, here. right? But Chicago, New York, there are other places where that sells all the time. And, and here, yeah. And and you do a good job, I think, holding people accountable and being critical when you need to be. But that whole overly critical thing, it just doesn't play, it, I don't think, in this market. No, not at all. People don't want to read. They're, they're either A, not going to read you at all. Hey, we lost. I'm not reading. Or B, they're mad at you for pointing out that they lost and here's why. Mm-hmm. why? And what I don't like about, about that sort of reaction is when people play the and it, and I and I realize you know it's just it's just people and the it might be five might be ten might be two and they can be wrong and it doesn't define a, a, a readership it doesn't define me but it just really kind of hurts me to read someone write ah, that's you again Doyle you're always negative like listen I'm not always anything but if I'm always anything I'm always Mr. Pollyanna guy I'm Mr. Hallmark I'm I write these tear jerkers and and I talked to Kenny Moore today and and I'm writing a story about Kenny Moore that people are going to absolutely love and. So I just don't want to hear that I'm always this way or that way. I'm always negative when they deserve it. Hell yeah. And But the thing is, I don't know how much they deserve negativity. We can point out what they did wrong. They did a lot of stuff wrong. But at the end of the day, they won the damn game. And so 
uh, we know who they are, and who they are is five and two. Yeah, good teams find a way to win when you've got your D minus game, as we just said. And the Colts did beat the Broncos, so that's all that matters. Uh, big reason why they won that game, and even though he did not have particularly a good day, and the offense really didn't have a good day at all. Um, how about that play from Jacoby Brissett? Easily the play of the year to this point, no? Yeah, and and you know his game and Vinatieri's game were very similar in that um, they were both a goat um, until the fourth quarter when they both made one ridiculous play. And Jacoby's was that play. I mean, Von Miller had him. I mean, he didn't just get away from a player. He got away from Von Miller running free, spinning him into the end zone. Von Miller makes that sack probably ninety nine times out of a hundred. Mm-hmm. But Brissett's very strong. We've seen him. We've seen him. You know, shrug off guys. He shrugged off Von Miller, makes a ridiculous throw. T- poor T.Y. Hilton, by the way, because that catch was absurd. Yeah, it was a great catch. And we're not talking yeah. about it. Toe tap right on the sideline. I mean, he was he was stretching his upper body, stretching to reach the ball and catch it, while trying to, like, go-go gadget his legs and stretch them the other direction <laughs> to make sure they tapped in, all the while catching the ball and controlling it. That was an absurd. And, of course, Vinny kicks his 51-yard field goal. Uh, so there was uh, there was goats became heroes. We need more Inspector Gadget references, just in life in general. Definitely on this podcast. But if EJ Speed will get in the game more, we'll get a lot more because <laughs> that guy's arms they haven't ended yet. They're just crazy. Yeah, he's an unbelievable athlete for sure. Uh, I saw something yesterday that I kind of rolled my eyes at, and I think this is kind of like an ongoing thing for me, and and maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Because uh, we did this in 2012 when Luck came in and had early success, and then suddenly it was, oh, see, the Colts are even better with him than they were with Manning, which, of course, was ridiculous. And, you know, the, the, you ever watch Good Morning Football on NFL Network? It's pretty good. I, I think it's a great show. Kyle Brandt and a couple other people. But anyway, they're talking about Jacoby Brissett and about how, you know, he's in the MVP conversation. What? And they're better, they're better than they were last year right now with him than they were with Luck. And I just... I guess sometimes what you say on the national shows, they're not watching it every day like we are. Maybe they're just getting bits and pieces of it, so it appears that that's the case. But I think we can appreciate Brissett's solid play, Greg, without making him into something that he's not. Like yeah. he's not—he's not MVP and he's not Andrew Luck. Period, and he probably never will be. Nowadays, it's not enough just to notice something's going well. It's got to be the best. It's yeah. got to be this. It's got to be over the top. And and I will say that in my job, I'm guilty of writing that way a lot because I get caught in the moment too. But the Colts are not better than they were last year. Their schedule is worse than it was last year. Their defense is right now playing better than it was last year. Their offense is not better. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I cannot believe if the numbers were in front of me, we would see, yeah, they're throwing for more yards. They're scoring more touchdowns. They're not doing any of that. They're just winning games differently. The team might be better. The team might be better, but you don't say the team is better because Brissett's here. That's not why they're better. They're winning just fine with Brissett, and that's great but he's not the reason they are better. He's not been a detriment. I'll give him credit to no, that. And no. he's played as well as you could have possibly hoped for, and he's a, a well-regarded guy. He's maybe the most popular guy in that locker room. I mean, there's a lot to like about Jacoby Brissett. My point is, Greg, is that I, I just don't like how we have to we have to knock somebody else down to prop somebody else up. Well, Brissett's really good, and Andrew Luck's trash. He's a quitter. Andrew Luck's gone. Like, I, Move on with your life. I'm, I'm done with it. I, I'm good with just appreciating who Brissett is and, and what's happened here so far. What do you think about Reich playing that situation the way that he did? Because I think the Colts can sit there and say all they want, that they were 100% confident in Vinatieri making a 51-yard field goal, but uh, I don't think you couldn't have possibly been 100% confident watching that game from home or watching that from the stands at, at Lucas Oil Stadium. No? Well, I, I think what Frank Reich was doing was, was – 
if you want to, I mean, if you want to be honest, it was very damning commentary. His play call to run Marlon Mack into the line twice in a row to run the clock down and force them to use their timeouts and to be conservative. That was a very damning commentary Frank Reich was making on Jacoby Brissett at that moment. Because what he was saying is, I don't trust the ball with this guy right now. He's not had a good game. He's I don't trust our offensive line to keep Von Miller and everybody off him either. I don't trust. Yeah, the I, line was bad. Yeah, I don't trust too. the pass game. He was saying, we we can't throw the ball. We can't go get more yards without maybe something disastrous happen. So, this, I mean, think about that. The safest play was to manage the game down to their kicker, who's shaky, kicking a 51-yarder. That was more safe to Frank Reich than, than Jacoby Brissett throwing the ball. That's all you need to know about how bad the offense was yesterday. And thank God it worked. Monday. You know, Reich, Reich has forgotten more football than I know, but I hate it. I just hate playing conservative in those areas. But, hey, he, he almost always presses the right button in those situations. Well, and, and you look at Reich. If this were Pagano, you'd say, there it goes again. Yep. He, he's always afraid. Reich's never afraid. Mm-hmm. So for him to – I think guys like Reich who clearly push the envelope, when they finally draw, pull back and go very conservative – you got to really look at that and say, okay, I respect. It's it's like if, if someone always says they're right, um, or uh, you don't believe them anymore because that's what you always do. And, and Frank, if Pagano's always conservative, you don't believe the rationale behind this conservative either because that's just who you are. But if someone goes one way all the time and then goes the other way, shockingly, I don't think it's fair to crap on the going the other way. Shockingly, it's like, whoa, this is there's something here. Let me look at this closer and not have a hot take about it. Time to give up on Quincy Wilson. There's so much going on here. Um, including, apparently, Monday morning quarterback last week speculated or said that teams were calling the Colts about Quincy. And then what do you know, the very next game they hold Quincy out. Is that to keep him healthy? The trade deadline? When's the trade deadline? Is it over? It's today at 4. See? Okay, so... We're, we're recording this, by the way. It's late Tuesday morning right now as right. you're hearing our voices. So he might be traded by the time. So was he held out to keep him healthy because they know they're trading him? Which doesn't make a lot of sense, but maybe. Uh, it's just a, the timing's weird. Frank Reich was asked about it yesterday at length, and in fact was asked, was that punitive? Did he, was he not playing because it was punitive? And Frank Reich said, no, absolutely not. So I, I, believe, I believe that up to a point. Um, but his rationale was he kept going on and on about how deep the team is and you got to make hard choices. And forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think Ashton Doolin played, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Deion Kane didn't. That's weird. Um, they're down anyway. That, that was weird. Quincy Wilson. That's weird. I, I don't know what's going on with Quincy Wilson, but I will tell you this: that he was held out of that game because they don't trust him on the field, and I and that's a bad sign for a former second round pick. Yeah, it's a really bad sign, especially when a guy that's out there playing your position is getting dunked on all afternoon, like Yassine, and you still weren't regarded by the staff to be good enough to play healthy to be an active well, fifty three man guy on that Sunday. I mean, Shaquille Taylor, you know, but the Colts do this. The NFL does this. I remember two, three years ago, whenever Pierre Desir first got here, mm-hmm. we were all like, Pierre Desir's Ooh. on the field? Yeah. Cause he was a guy that was on the roster and he was, you know, special teams and he's the last guy active and whatever. And then all of a sudden one day he's starting and the world's falling that's your starting cornerback and it turns out he's really, really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rashawn Melvin was like that too. Remember, absolute, we were like, "Wait, is it two A's, one A?" Like we didn't even know how to spell his name. Absolutely. And he had a really nice season here. He, he was that way too. And Shaquille Taylor, maybe he's pretty good. I don't know, but but when Shaquille Taylor's active and Quincy Wilson's not, don't tell me your roster's deep because Shaquille Taylor wasn't on this team three three weeks ago, mm-hmm. and your roster's not deep. That that's a statement about Quincy Wilson is missing something. I think with Kane, we just got a reminder. I, I'll go to bat for him a little bit and say that. This really is his rookie season, right? I know he spent last year with the team, but he blew his ACL, so he wasn't out there on the field. 
I think sometimes it's uh, it's difficult for receivers, especially, to kind of get the lay of the land before they get out there and produce. And and maybe maybe we all were guilty of putting too much hype and praise around Kane. But I mean, you were up in Westfield, you saw him. He was worth the hype and praise. I mean, he was making ridiculous video game type catches and and doing some spectacular things out there. Haven't seen a receiver that good in training camp since Deron Carter. Yeah. And where's he? Same sort of thing. And Deion Kane, I, I think, will be better than Deron. I mean, I really do. I think he'll be better than Deron Carter. Hopefully, attitude-wise, he'll be better than Deron Carter. Well, it can't be worse. But actually, I, I knew Deron in the locker room just as much as you know somebody. And I know Deion in the locker room as much as you – and there's no there's no comparison. Deion Kane is a is a ray of sunshine, whereas Deron Carter was a guy – and you know he, he's the son of a Hall of Famer, and so he, he came up differently. Mm-hmm. But he kind of thought he arrived. I think the moment he, the doctor slapped his butt, he thought he arrived. And uh, – he never, he never will arrive because of that. Deion Kane's not that guy. AFC South better than you thought or right around where you thought it was going to be? I mean, I guess I have to say it's better than I thought because, you know, it, when you have bad teams and someone has to win, someone has to lose, I kind of thought, well, this is the year that the Jaguars and the Titans are going to be the team that keeps losing, and mm-hmm. they keep winning. You know, the Colts keep winning, and they can't pull away. And even the Texans, they lose J.J. Watt, and they win that game. Now we'll see what happens the rest of the year. I guess I have to say it's better, but only because – the whole NFL seems to suck, with the exception of uh, three teams. Especially maybe. the AFC. It's bad. Yeah. Right. It's bad. And someone has to win some games, and the AFC South are taking their turn right now winning games, but, but the Titans stink and the Jaguars stink, and it's just a bad, it's a bad division. It's a bad, it's a bad year. And I don't know if that means it's going to – if we've got what do you call parity and it's just going to be this way forever or what, but this is a bad year. A lot of quarterbacks are hurt, you know, and mm-hmm. – it's just a bad year for football, but the Colts are rolling right along, so that's good. It's like last night, Greg. The Steelers play the Dolphins. Someone has to win that game. So, you know, the Titans play the Buccaneers. Somebody has to win. The Jaguars play the Jets. Somebody has to win. And it's almost like, you know, hey, good for Jacksonville. They're 4-4. Four and four. Gardner Minshew mania. Good for the Titans. They're 4-4. Four and four. But, man, some of these teams some of these teams are so bad at the bottom of the league that, I mean, Denver – we, we can sit here all we want to talk about how great Denver's defense is. That is a supremely mediocre team. Joe Flacco can't do anything. That guy's completely washed at this point. Well, yeah, and it's almost like they're tanking too because they, they traded away their second-best receiver, Emmanuel Sanders. Like, mm-hmm. why, why are you doing that? Your, your offense is terrible. Why are you losing skill players on offense? Are you trying to lose? Are you trying to draft somebody? I mean, I don't know, but it just doesn't make any sense at all. Flacco... He was right. Uh, he was all over that offensive coordinator's call. Yeah. You know, and he was right. It's And Reich would never do that. Third and five, we need a first down to win this game. Let's do a draw and just, if it doesn't work, at least, you know, make make them go beat us. No, no, Frank Reich says, no, we're going to go beat you. And he chose to beat them with Adam Benetari and it worked. But holy Toledo. Yeah, it was, uh, everyone was on edge before that kick sailed through. You know what, barely was, sailed through. what was great about that kick, by the way, and it went into the back net. I mean, that would have been gone from 62. Yeah. I mean, it was a bomb. What was great about that is, uh, you know, blue, Trey Mock, blue. The the, the highlight. <laughs> I know what you're going to talk about. Isn't it great? The, the highlight shows him. He's underneath the crossbar, and he bounces that big belly out three times. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's why he's good at his job and all mm-hmm. that. It's the timing, it was comedic timing. It was just perfect. The air thrusting is my favorite of the uh, the blue celebrations. Yeah. Trey's a heck of a ping pong player, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. He's a ringer when it comes to ping pong. I did not know that. Yeah. We did a thing. I think it was at McAfee's house. This was years ago. This is uh, Dwayne Allen was still here and Matt Overton and those guys. And we had a like a ping pong tournament with some of the Bob and Tom people came over too. And Trey basically ran the table. Well, yeah. he's also he's he's the guy throwing the football from the concourse. 
You're right, yeah. you got to be kind of an athlete to do that. I mean, he looks good. The motion looks good. It's a tight spiral. It can't be easy, and he either hits the damn barrel or comes close every time. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it, he always he always makes at least one of those in, I feel like. It's very rarely that you see him get skunked. Uh, while we're on the football topic, a, a column that is coming, not just the Kenny Moore column, but uh, also on Peyton Ramsey. I just don't think there's enough good things to say about a guy who loses a quarterback job, decides to stick it out instead of answer, instead of entering the transfer portal, and still is a huge reason why Indiana sits here today bowl eligible in October for the first time in 26 years. Yeah, that column's up right now, and, and his teammates and his coach, you don't have to ask them, because uh, it'd be kind of a delicate question to ask about, you know, are you surprised he's here? Mm-hmm. They bring it up. They're, and the word surprise is, they're not surprised because they know who Peyton is, but they bring it up like he doesn't have to be here. And a lot of guys in this situation wouldn't be here. And Tom Allen said it doesn't happen very much anymore that that guy would be here. You look at the three front runners for the Heisman right now. Justin Fields went from Georgia to Ohio State. Joe Burrow from Ohio State to LSU. And Jalen Hurts from Alabama to Oklahoma. They're all graduate transfers. They're different. However, the previous two Heisman Trophy winners, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, both went to Oklahoma and had to sit out a year's transfers. They weren't graduate transfers. So point is... Well, the point is not Peyton Ramsey's a Heisman caliber guy. The point is, if you are a D1 starting quarterback and you know you're good enough, and he does know, and we see it, and you get beat out, you lose your job, you don't stick around. You leave. You leave. Yeah. And he did not. And and listen, I did not write and will not say here that he's never leaving. He's a grad transfer eligible in May. He graduates in May, and if Michael Penix is the starter next year, and he will be unless he's hurt, I can see Ramsey going somewhere else and starting somewhere. I can see that. I wouldn't hold it against him either. But – he didn't leave this year, and sure enough, they needed him. He's having a great, great season, and, and he might be benched Saturday because Penix is close, and, and they, Tom Allen made it clear that Penix is the guy. And if you know that, let's say that Penix comes back healthy, Indiana goes 8-4, and four, they win a bowl game, and let's say Ramsey doesn't take another snap this entire year. I still think that when people think of the 2019 Indiana breakthrough, they'll, they'll still think of Peyton Ramsey. Because that's how big I think that win over Nebraska is not a very high bar, Greg. Knowing Indiana's history, that win in Nebraska is one of their five or six biggest wins of this century. Uh, I get that Nebraska's mediocre and all of that, but um, Indiana always loses that game, kind of like what we talked about last week with Maryland. And to find a way with their backup quarterback, and and really to you know they they hung thirty eight points on them. That was not some sort of a fluky win. They kind of pushed them around. Yeah, that was that was an eye-opening win. I know Nebraska's not great, but they're not as bad as they were last year either. But yeah, you go into a football facility like that with a crowd like that, mm-hmm. tradition like that, and they've got a bunch of four and five star recruits, and you push them around, pretty good, pretty good. And by the way, T- Peyton Ramsey has played so well this year that in that story, I've got I've got someone on the record, not just I don't have quote quote sources saying no no no. I got someone on the record putting their name on it that big time schools around the country are cheating. And they're contacting Peyton Ramsey's high school coach, trying to get him to transfer after the season. I mean, they're 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 doing it right now. And, and the guy that told me that said, "I know it's against the rules, but it's happening, and it's not Peyton's fault." I mean, mm-hmm. Peyton's not doing it. Colleges are trying to cheat, and I will tell you now that I've written this story and put this on the record that wherever he ends up next year, if he leaves, if he leaves, that school will be under scrutiny. I can assure, and I'm not saying they'll deserve it, mm-hmm. but I promise you the NCAA will take a look at that because of what I just wrote in this story. You know, with the big, the way big time college athletics are, wouldn't you think that these teams would be brazen enough to just send him texts directly? I mean, it, it's almost like teams don't even care. They they have all their stuff out there. They know that they're doing the wrong thing. 
but they know that even if the NCAA catches them, they're going to get a slap on the wrist anyway. You want to be discouraged about something. Think about this, that we all see how much cheating happens in college basketball. We all know it. The FBI is involved, for God's sake. I mean, it's that is a cesspool that the NCAA is still trying to figure out how to clean up. And yet, what sport makes 10 times the money college basketball makes? College football. I mean, 10 times the money. Yeah. I, I you just have to, and, and we we know that Albert, we know that a recruit was sold to Alabama fifteen years ago for two hundred grand, and the kid didn't even know. We know that Cam Newton had all kinds of crazy stuff going on with his dad, and Cam Newton apparently didn't know. What's out there that we don't know? I mean, we're, we're looking so hard at basketball. Is anybody even looking at the SEC? I mean, to be that good every year after year, something's going on all over D one. It's going on, and that's why you wonder with this endorsement thing is. Uh... Is it all going to get wrapped up into, instead of these illicit payments, will they be funneled through other channels? Like, hey, we're going through a car dealership. The guy that runs it is a big donor of the university or something like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're never going to make it completely clean. I'm not saying that the NCAA should give up, but let's face it, with so much money to be made, people are going to try to find shortcuts when it comes to that stuff. Um, do you want to talk about the pay- The Pacers stink right now. You want to talk about... People don't like bad news around here. Yeah, who who's good? Let's talk about somebody good. Let's see. Uh, what Malcolm school- Brogdon. He's been pretty good. He he's been pretty good. There's yeah. got to be a high school team pretty good. Uh, I don't know. Carmel's not very good either. Let's not talk about them. Uh, some- Football's wide open in six A. You you got probably seven or eight teams that can win this thing. I mean, Center Grove. Poor Carson Steele. Apparently, he's just not gonna play this year, right? Oh, is that true? We haven't yeah. played yet. Yeah. So I, I guess not. So I didn't know that they had written that off completely. No, they haven't. That's just okay. me being in uh, being. Uh, unprofessional and speculating that but yeah the Pacers uh they've they've not lost anybody good is the problem they're 0-3 and they've lost to Detroit twice and Cleveland once and those are not playoff teams Detroit might be well Detroit's got two wins in the bag already so they're, yeah they're, they're two on, they're wins on their way up. they're on their way thank you Pacers but yeah that this Pacers team is needing Victor Oladipo more than we thought and obviously we know he's their best player we know they need him but we kind of thought they had the depth and different things to at least hold the fort down but the fort is blowing away. And what I worry about, too, is Kevin Pritchard gets a lot of credit for getting what he got out of the Paul George deal and, and doing what he did here with the Brogdon sign-in trade. And I like what he's done in free agency. But the draft so far, and, and to be fair to the Pacers, it's a lot of back-end draft picks. I mean, TJ Leaf, and they told us that Aaron Holiday was this you know coveted piece of theirs. Aaron Holiday can't beat out TJ McConnell at the beginning of year two? What's the deal there? And is TJ Leaf ever going to do anything? You know, TJ Leaf is like the Pacers' Quincy Wilson. He's gotten a million chances to show what he can do, and I, I never really see anything from him. No, TJ Leaf appears to be um, what Edmund, Edmund, Edmund Sunder, Sumner might be also. Um, in, in baseball, you refer to guys that are just killing it in AAA, and for whatever reason, they don't they don't stick in the big leagues, and that happens all the time. Those are called 4A players. Mm-hmm. They're too good for AAA, but they're not big leaguers. Uh, TJ Leaf is a 4A player. He He... I mean, his numbers are great in the G League. I mean, he tears it up. And same with Evan Sumner. He tears it up. Sumner at least has a chance. I mean, he has a chance. I'm not ruling him out yet. I know he can defend at a high level on the floor right now, and that's great. TJ Leaf can't do that. Sumner, will his shot has to come around. But Leaf, I don't get it. Leaf is bouncy. He's long. He had shooting range in college. I don't understand why he's not – but he's just not making it here. Yeah, and a great kid. I mean, I really like him, and, and he's got Indiana roots and all of that. I'm, I'm rooting for TJ Leaf to do well, but at some point he's got to show that he belongs, and 
He has yet to, and I think that's really been the big problem for the Pacers. The, the starters, for the most part, have been fine. Yeah, they're missing Jeremy Lamb, but Warren, Brogdon, Sabonis, and Turner have been about what they've advertised to be. But th- this second unit here, um, when you're given Leaf and McConnell and guys like that, you know, double-digit minutes, then you're in a lot of trouble. And a lot of times the Pacers' bench is just getting boat raced. My first take on Jeremy Lamb, and it's only been one game that I've seen that anybody's seen, and, and I, I get it. I, I'm not locked into this forever. But my first impression of Jeremy Lamb is he reminds me way too much of Tyreek Evans. Yeah. Way too much. He's, I mean, he's a guy that's been in the league for a while, has scored points for bad teams, and he comes here, and I'm not sure he gets it that it's not about you anymore. Like, they don't need you to get buckets. They need you to play a role and to fit in and do this and do that and work harder in defense. And Tyreek never got it. Mm-hmm. He just never got it. I mean, I hated, I hated watching Tyreek Evans play from day one, and fans were mad at me. And, of course, you know what pisses me off is that – all those people, and there's a bunch of you, were mad at me. Not one of them, I guarantee, not one of them has ever said, you know what, you're right about yeah. Tyreek. No one's ever said that, and they probably don't even remember. What they remember <laughs> is, Greg Doyle's a jerk. I'm not really sure why he's a jerk. I don't. I just know he is. They don't even know that that I was right about that. But And I, again, I'm not saying Jeremy Lamb, it's too late for you. It's been one game. I get it. But I, it's all I got to go on so far. And so far I saw... Too much Tyreek Evans, not nearly enough Victor Oladipo. For all the emails you get, you never get anybody saying, eh, you know what, Greg, you were right. I was wrong. A couple weeks later. No. That's it, shocking. It does not happen. <laughs> it does not happen. People don't want to admit when they're wrong ever. I do. I love it. Yeah. Too much. Too much. But I, it's fun. It's freeing. Because when I'm wrong, the thing about me when I'm wrong, and I'm wrong a lot, is it weighs in the back of my head and it kind of hurts me. Yeah. Like it just, I feel bad. I feel stupid. The only way to let that go is to tell whoever it was that needs to know I was wrong, hey, man, I was wrong about that. And I, it's gone now. The pressure is off me. I, I don't feel miserable anymore. I, it, I, I can now forgive myself. You know, the good thing about being wrong, like before the season I picked the Colts to go 7-9, and nine, is that I'm happy to be wrong. Oh, yeah. I love I love the fact that they're playing well. I love the fact that they're not seven and nine. Uh, in fact, I, I would rather be wrong than be right because it's a lot more fun to talk about a first place team than it is a seven and nine team. May I say this really quick? I don't know if we're running out of time, but Kenny Moore, um, story coming out on him in a couple of days. I'm writing. Um, all I'll tell you about that story is this: that the Colts the, they introduced the defensive starters Sunday through the tunnel. Kenny Moore's first one to run out. He ran out with a kid, and so I'm thinking, okay, this is like a you know Euro League soccer, or whatever. They're all going to run out with kids. No, just Kenny Moore. And so I noticed it, and I am asking Kenny Moore, "Who's that kid?" and and he told me. And it's uh, it's uh, there's a reason Kenny Moore is my favorite pro athlete. Yeah. There's a reason, and it's got nothing to do with football. You talk about a guy that kind of came D two short. You can't play, and has proved outers wrong the entire way. And that's just on the field. Um, and you, it sounds like you got to look at what he is off the field as well, oh, which every, yeah. everyone has said he's a great dude off the field as well. Um, Halloween is Thursday, so real quick as we wrap up here, number one Greg Doyle Halloween candy and least favorite because every, everyone's got one that is their go-to and everyone's got one that they're just like, oh, this is gross. Get it out of my bag. Well, once a year I do like those little orange peanuts. What are those things? Circus peanuts? Are those circus peanuts? Yeah. You like those things? Uh, once a year. Like kind of marshmallow-y yeah, almost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like them. Once a year. And I, anything dark chocolate. So if you ask like a dark chocolate. I'm a chocolate, huge dark chocolate guy too. Dark chocolate yeah, yeah. mounds or Almond Joy or dark chocolate that, whatever. See, I can't do coconut though. I could do dark chocolate like Hershey's dark chocolate or uh, something like that. But I, I don't do coconut I can't do. 
Because you're allergic or because no, you're just stupid? No, just because it's disgusting. Oh, because it's disgusting. <laughs> Did Jeremy say because you're allergic or because yeah. you're stupid? Because <laughs> those are the only two options there. Coconut's great. I feel so bad. When I was trick-or-treating as a kid, we had a, an older lady in the neighborhood who was really nice, but she'd hand out sun-made raisins. Oh, boy. And then we'd get to the top of the driveway and we'd throw them back on her roof. Oh, boy. And... um I always felt bad about it. So I thought that I wanted to come clean on this podcast. So if you're, if you're listening, Hazel, um, if you're probably not still with us because this was 30 years ago, I'm sorry that I threw sun-made roses on your roof. What's the bad candy? What, what's bad? Uh, I was actually going to bring up Mounds and Almond Joys. Oh, were you now? Can't do it. Black okay. licorice I hate. Everybody hates black licorice. Yeah, but it, yeah, that's the thing. Um, Pe- people that like black licorice are like people that like uh, cigars. Yeah. You don't like them. You think it looks cool, and so you're kind of showing That's a off. Good way to put it. But you hate it. You hate that cigar, and you hate that black licorice. It does look cool to smoke a cigar, but it. I don't like smoking cigars either. You know why I hate cigars? Why is that? They taste like black licorice. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm the wrong person to ask because I smoked cigarettes for ten years. So. Is that I where that cool voice with, comes from? Yeah, a little bit, I guess. Maybe. I'm too pristine. Is that yeah. why my voice sucks? I'm like, <laughs> my voice is the is the version of Peyton Ramsey's face. Yeah. No facial hair at all. There's no adult thing to it at all. He's a very baby faced guy. And oh, you're good. Clark works his magic on this audio, and he he presses the right buttons to make it sound perfect. Someone's got to help me. So check out the Kenny Moore uh, column coming up here soon. Also, of course, the Peyton Ramsey one that's up right now, IndyStar.com, the Greg Doyle link, uh, IndyStar app as well. And we'll be back with a new episode next week. Greg, happy Halloween. Same to you, Derek. Thank <laughs> you.